All right, good morning, good morning, good to see you all here. I love God and I love you. Thanks. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to our youth kids, uh, or youth, the young people, sorry, not kids probably. Uh, fantastic. That was a sneak preview of the VBS, by the way, coming in June. If you're a parent, uh, get excited. Uh, kind of cool that that's already in the works. Um, and if you're in youth and you would like to stay and hang out here, that's fine also. But have a great time together. They're headed out with our Pastor Jimmy. In life, uh, we're starting a new series here. And in life, um, we always are both leading and following. Like it or not, uh, whether you know it or not, we're always leading or following something. The only question is who or what are we leading and following? And you can re- see this really clearly as a parent. So I have a couple of photos which show me leading my kids a little bit. Um, here's the first one. So uh, there you go. You make a face, your kid makes a face. You know? And so uh, they end up acting kind of just like you. And then uh, there's this one. Yep, uh, so you love the best team in basketball, and so your kid learns to love the best team in basketball as well. I haters. Dial down. And you're tired, and so is your kid's tired. <laughs> so, uh, like it or not, even moment by moment, even in the little things, even in the making a face, even in the how we interact with people, we are always leading and following uh, one another. It's just a question of who we're going to lead and follow. And th- we're beginning a, a new six-week series uh, looking at some incredible leaders of the Bible, uh, three people from the Old Testament and three from the New Testament. And each week we're going to look at their life, we're going to look at kind of the stuff they did, and then we're going to look at uh, areas that we, as followers of the exact same God of them, areas that we could follow in their footsteps. Now these people, they're not perfect, and they're not sinless, and we've got to be really careful. They are not God, they're not the example, but they are people who follow God, and we can uh, glean from them, and we have areas of our life that we can emulate in the things that they did well. Now, these people are incredibly flawed, and so we're not saying copy all of their flaws because they have a lot of flaws. We're saying let's look at the good that they have and follow those things that are good. Our first leader is a guy named Elijah, and Elijah lived about 900 to 850 B.C., so almost 3,000 years ago, and he was living in the nation of Israel. And so his life and bio can be found in 1 Kings chapter 17 is where he first shows up. And he's there all the way through the end of 1 Kings. And then he shows up through 2 Kings uh, to about chapter 2. And then his name gets mentioned throughout the Bible every once in a while because he becomes this famous prophet. Now Elijah appears on the scene with little to no background information, no knowledge about him. There's no origin story. We don't know how he grew up. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what his parents were like. He just kind of pops on the scene. And Elijah's uh, uh, called to speak on behalf of God. And his commitment to his ministry often is going to find him facing overwhelming odds. Like he found himself in some incredible situations uh, where God was doing some really strange, incredible things. And one of the things God asked him to do is preach against the government. And so the preach against, at this point, it was a monarchy. And so his primary duties was talking to the, the king happened to be evil at the time, talking to the, this evil, adulterous king, telling him that this, the, the way that he set up the government, the way that he's following, is not uh, a God-honoring. And so, while it's true that Israel itself, the people, were also involved with idolatry, it really stemmed from the root of this problem was the government was encouraging it. And so Elijah, he spent a lot of time wandering around. He, he wore a garment of, of made out of camel's hair, and he had a, a leather belt that he, famous prophet belt he would wear, and people would recognize him. His, his life was filled with miraculous movements of God. 
Um, God told Elijah to warn the king that on Elijah's word there would be no rain. So he like literally got to say like, hey, no rain. And then when I say rain, it's going to rain. And uh, God allowed him to do that um, because of the government's insistence on following false gods. And so God sent Elijah to speak to them. One time, God led him to this stream. and God said, just hang out here, and I'll bring food to you. And birds brought him food and dropped it off. That's where Cinderella got, you know, that, that whole thing came from. But, like, these ravens dropped, dropped food on him, like airdropped for him. Um, one time, God allowed him to uh, meet this widow lady who was, like, broke, and he said, give me some bread. And she's like, well, if I give you the bread, that's the last I have to live on. And he said, yeah, give it to me. And she did, because she thought he was a prophet. And then, then she miraculously, when she kept pouring out her oil in her flour jar, she kept being able to make cakes over and over and over and over. And she had, like, unlimited, miraculous supply of oil and flour. You got, and then, then her son died. <laughs> and then she's like, my son died! And God allowed Elijah to be part of raising her son from the dead. So pretty cool. <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, he does that. One of his most famous things is he does this God battle against the false gods. So he says, you bring, you bring your best priests, and they have a bunch of them, and your best prophets, and, and it's all them versus one. Elijah is the only prophet for God, and they set up this, like, a, like basically like a, a God battle or like a prophet battle kind of thing, and, and God shows up, and he sends fire from heaven and burns up all Elijah's offering, and nothing happened for those guys. And the people were like, yeah, Elijah. And they killed all the false prophets. So he kind of won, right? But that very day, he had to flee for his life because the evil king was like, nah, <laughs> you're dead too. And he's like, ah, oh, i got to get out of here. So he had to run for his life. Um, even after winning that bat battle, he gets to this point in his life where he really wants to quit. Like, uh, he, he actually gets to this place and he asks God to just let him die. Like he, he's been doing all this miraculous. He saw a bunch of stuff, but it just got overwhelming. And he said, God, I just want to die. But God doesn't let him die. Instead, God sends an angel to strengthen him. And then that angel leads him to a cave. And God says to him, like, I'm going to let my presence come upon you. You're going to get to feel the presence of God. And so Elijah's like, okay. And so he goes to the mouth of this cave in the morning, and uh, this tornado-like wind comes through. Oh, some huge wind. Um, mighty wind comes through. And God's presence wasn't in the wind. And then this earthquake on the mountain where he's in this cave, this earthquake happens, boom. And then God's presence isn't in the earthquake. And then there's like this miraculous fire on the mountain. Some Australian fire shows up on the mountain. And God's presence wasn't in the fire. And then this happens in 1 Kings 19.12. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And God's presence was in the gentle whisper. After this, he gets encouraged. He said, okay, I'm going to keep going. He gets to train a guy named Elisha. Elisha is going to become another famous prophet who, will, who himself will become a spokesperson for God. Then he watches God cook a hundred dudes with fire from heaven, just killing them with fire from heaven because they were demanding Elijah show up before the king as if Elijah could be called. He says, no, I follow God, not, not the king. And then the king sent 50 guys, they got burned up, sent 50 more guys, they got burned up. The king sent 50 more guys, and the, the captain of that guard was like, please, please, don't burn us up. Oh, my God, I have a family. Just, just, just please go. And Elijah's like, fine, I'll go. <laughs> as long as you know it's not, I'm not at the beck and call of the king. And so that, that kind of happened. And, and his, finish, his ministry kind of comes to an end. Uh, Elisha's all well-trained. Uh, 
and, and towards the end of his ministry, uh, after his protege is ready to take over the mantle of God, this happens in 2 Kings 2 and 11. As they're walking along, just Elijah and Elisha, his, the guy he's been training, and they're talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire, they appeared, and they separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this, he's like, the father, the father, there's chariots and horsemen of fire. And he's gone. And Elisha saw him no more. And that was it. So that, that's how he ended. I don't know if he got in the... It doesn't say he got in the chariot. Did the chariot just show up and then he like got caught in the whirlwind? I don't know if he got on. Did you, do you jump on the back of a fire horse? I don't. I run. And so if it was me, maybe God has to catch him up in the whirlwind. I don't know how it happened. But uh, so he miraculously disappears. Um, but wait. So it seems like he's gone. 900 years later, Jesus is walking up on this mountain. And he takes uh, uh, his inner circle, his three uh, guys that he spends a lot of time with, uh, Peter, James, and John, takes on top of this mountain, and Jesus uh, is, ta- is about to talk to his disciples, and a couple of people show up. In Matthew 17, it says this, just, uh, just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And so uh, Elijah ends up coming back to earth at least for a little bit. Has he got a burnt body? Does he got, I don't know what he's got at that point. How old is he? Does he have a heavenly body? We don't know a lot about it, but he shows back up. 900 years after he was taken by that chariot uh, of fire. Uh, Dun, dun, whatever, how that music goes, the chariots of fire, named after that, of course. And so that's Elijah's life. And if you're thinking, look, I'm not really sure I have a lot in common with this person, this guy from 3,000 years ago who had all those crazy things happen to him. Look, that just doesn't sound like my Irvine life, I hate to tell you. I'm not sure we have any areas in life that I can learn from this guy. But people are people, and our life situations, though different contexts and intensities, share crisscrosses of similarities. And I'd like to share with you this morning four areas of Elijah's life where we can follow the leader, Elijah. So here's going to be four areas that, that we can see from his life where we can follow. The first is, when tired of doing good, seek God. When tired of doing good, seek God. The New Testament writes this, uh, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So there's an assumption, this is in the Bible because this is, could be a problem for people, that they actually get tired of doing good things. And we see this in, in Elijah's life. He's doing miracles, he's doing prophetic stuff. He's doing powerful things. There's all this crazy stuff happening, and he just gets tired. He gets overwhelmed from doing good things. But it's easy to read this verse. This verse is easy to say, but hard to do. It's easy to say, like, yeah, just don't get tired of doing good. Keep doing good things. But it's not always that easy. God took Elijah through some tough stuff, and time after time, Elijah stayed faithful, and he was holy, and he followed God, and he continued with him. But I did tell you about that one part where he got tired and he was overwhelmed and he wanted to quit. It actually reads like this in 1 Kings 19. See, Elijah got afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to this broom bush and he sat down under it and he just prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, 
I'm no better than the ancestors. And he just sat there. And after this is when God told him, sent the angel and that other part. But I think many of us can relate. And I think many of us in the room can relate. Because I watch you and, and I see you are amazing. You do good things all of the time. You go out of your way to help people. You, you bless others. You serve in the church. You care for the needs of people. You, you take very much care of your family. You sacrifice even to your own health taking care of other people. You give and you share and you care. And sometimes, sometimes we can get tired or feel tired of doing good. I'm tired of living the right way. I'm, it looks kind of fun doing it the other way. I'm tired of this stuff. The grind of life maybe can wear you down. Maybe situations or circumstances or illnesses. You find yourself tired of doing good. Maybe you say, this burden has been too heavy for too long. Well, like Elijah, God wants to lift each of you up. Jesus says it this way. Come to me, all, you, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, following God takes energy and loving others, especially our enemies, that's tough, and it gets difficult. And so when you get tired of doing good, seek God Find his rest. Meet him in his presence. So that's the first thing we can do. When tired of doing good, seek God. The second thing we can learn from Elijah is listen for God in the whisper. See, when Elijah finally did seek God, God revealed his presence to Elijah, but it wasn't in the enormous or the spectacular. But oftentimes, and this is what Elijah was thinking, that's where we expect it. God, I'm waiting for a huge miracle, for a voice in the sky. But it was in the quiet whisper. We need to create space to be able to reconnect to, to get recharged by, and to hear from God. But if you expect God to outshout your busy life, to yell over your demands, to scream, against the non-stop mental dialogue that you have, then you are going to find yourself sadly disappointed because God is not going to outshout the noise in your life. Almost always, God comes in a whisper. And if you're not careful, you'll whiz right past it. And you'll drown out his voice with activity and noise. So unplug. Stop listen, breathe, slow down for a little bit every single day if you're wanting to hear from God. His presence will be in the whisper. So it's the second thing we can learn, to listen for God in the whisper. The third thing we can see is that Elijah lived this incredible life of faith and fearless dedication. And he trusted God like crazy. And even when God asked him to do nonsense stuff, he did it. God asked Elijah to do some things that his friends would have certainly been scratching their head. Like, Elijah, why are you doing that? Why are you sitting there waiting for birds to drop you food? What's wrong with you? God, why are, Elijah, why are you going to step to the king and all of his prophets, these false prophets, 
Elijah, why are you doing all that stuff? And it didn't make sense to any of his friends, certainly. And you guys, look, if, if you follow God in all that you do and you constantly step out in faith, your friends are going to wonder, what the heck happened to you? Why the heck are you giving away money? Why the heck are you, are you sacrificing even though you could have you gone and done something for yourself? Why are you caring about that person who is so mean to you? When your boss treated you bad, why did you still get them a gift at Christmas and bless them? Why did you tell me you were praying for that person who talks bad about you and you know it? See, it is going to be nonsense to your friends if you follow God like Elijah did. But I say do it. Elijah didn't shrink back from the seemingly impossible, neither should we. You need to follow God and his voice in every aspect of your life. Be marked by your faith in God, not just his material favor for you. We don't want to be known as Christians because it looks like God blessed us and we have a nice, easy life. We want to be known as Christians because we are faithful followers of him. And he is doing miraculous things in our lives. Multiple times, Elijah, his literal life was on the line. And yet he continued to fearlessly follow after God. Now, probably your life is not going to be on the line, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to fearlessly follow God in your life. You absolutely do. It takes, it takes a fearless heart or a fearless person to give generously. It, it takes a fearlessness to share your faith, even though there might be some repercussions from it. You have to be fearless to swim opposite the culture of the world's view. People will think you're strange if you haven't seen this movie that has some stuff that's not appropriate. They're going to think you're strange if you pray every time there's a, a meal, even at work, and it was, a, it was a business dinner, and all of a sudden you prayed and totally killed the vibe. They're going to think you're strange, and it's going to take some fearlessness to do that. Sometimes it's easier to be fearful in the big things than in the little things. I've found that true in my life. If I'm on missions and doing something big in front of a bunch of people, then no problem sharing Jesus. But if I'm with my, my stepmom, hard to share Jesus. Hard to like pray because it's going to make her uncomfortable at first. But now she asks, are you going to pray for the meal? <laughs> she's not even a believer now, but she's open to praying. But that's hard. So we have to live a life by faith. Elijah didn't. He experienced the power of God in his life even when it was difficult. His simple trust brought God's provision when there seemed to be no other way around it, no other way possible. And the challenges that you face can be met as you have faith in God. When Elijah spoke the word of God to people, it was backed up by the, the presence of God and the power of God. And when you speak the word of God, you also have to be convinced that it comes with the power and the presence of God as well. You're not ever convincing anyone to follow God. You're just simply telling his message and the power comes from him, not from you. God's preparing you for the miraculous. It's through your intimacy, your daily walking with him in obedience by living uh, in faith in an increasing measure that God will enable you to see the miraculous in your life. I think that we're just expecting the ordinary all the time. We don't expect Elijah, but we ought to. And as we faithfully look to God, he is going to start to do the miraculous where you can't take credit for it. Where you're like, God, that is so awesome what you're doing. And I can tell it that was all you, not me. And God is preparing you for those kind of things. God knew the best plan for Elijah's life. 
how best Elijah could be used, and God knows the best plan for your life. He knows what you need, and he knows what it takes to get you there. God is devoted to you. Isn't that weird? God knows what you need, and he wants to help you get there. He's on your side. He's devoted to you. He's right along there with you. He wants, to, he wants us and you to walk in simple trust, to step out in faith in all of the little things. And then he will provide you to be in the right space at the right time to do his work. His prompting, moment by moment, will allow you to be open to the movement of his spirit so that we can see the powerful and the miraculous in our lives. So would you entrust yourself afresh to, to his perfect design? He'll bring you into that place that he's purposed just for you. Follow Elijah down that path of faith and fearless dedication. And the last thing I want to share that we can see from Elijah's life is to invest in the next generation. Elijah took this guy, Elisha, then he showed him. He didn't just tell him. He showed him how to live a life fully devoted to God in every aspect. Like, uh, they walked together, like, literally, like, they literally walked everywhere. Elisha just followed him. He went to dinner with him. They, they hung out together. They were, they were in ministry together. They went to do prophecy stuff together. Uh, and we can do the same thing in a, in a slightly less literal sense because we don't walk anywhere. We, we drive everywhere, right? Even if Walmart and Lowe's are in the same center, I, I park at Lowe's and then I drive over to the Walmart. I don't, I don't walk even though it's like seven car spaces over. I, I definitely drive over there. So, so we can't really walk with people because we don't really walk anywhere. Even in the airport, I just get on that conveyor belt. I don't even walk in there. But it's not even faster. It's just better. I don't know. And so we can, I don't know if we walk with people in the same sense, but, but we get to literally walk with people. And each of us, we have to replicate our faith by investing in the next generation. Like I always try to do this, and, and it was funny when Pastor Jason was interviewing, he was saying, yeah, eight years ago, Sam was saying... Uh, I see something in you, Jason. I was like, I never said that, but Peter was in the meeting, and he's like, Pastor Peter was like, he said that to me in junior high, and I was like, huh, maybe I said that one before. Um, (laughs) And then I was thinking about it, especially in light of today's message, and then I was like, well, that's actually, I do that all the time. I'm absolutely looking for people to recruit into God's kingdom work. I look at people and I'm like, hmm, are they past the material? Hmm, how could God use them? Just like every building I see, I was like, ooh, would that be a good church building? Hmm, could a church be on this corner? Is this a good location? I absolutely do it. I am always looking for people, both here and abroad, wherever I go, to replicate uh, my faith. Uh, I happen to be a pastor, so that's the only thing I can promote. You know, like I don't know how to teach them to be a financial planner. I don't know anything about that. But I know about pastor, and so I'm always doing that. When we, my wife and I were in Thailand, we met uh, almost every day with a, a man named Peter and his wife, Eve. And uh, we bought them dinner. We blessed them. We prayed for their marriage. We told them some tips about how to stay married, how to encourage one another, how to be supportive, how to be complimentary in, like, uh, in public. Uh, we are praying for them and with them. We're still connecting to them after. You know, we're emailing and texting all the time uh, because I want to build into someone after me so that they continue the work of God. I do, it, I do it there, I do it here. Uh, you know, I've already been talking to some of the little kids. They're like, oh, Isaiah Williams, you're a really good kid. You know, I'm thinking uh, God's working in ministry. Have you met Ethan Song? Ethan Song is like already a mini pastor, I think. You know, he's, I'm, Ethan Song's there. Have you heard the mind of Kellen, how sharp that is? What a great apologist he will be. It'll be fantastic. And, 
Have you met Annalie? Oh, man, her heart is, she will be a fantastic minister for the Lord. And so uh, your kids are already uh, ordained to do some awesome things. I'm excited about that. You know, even their adult parents, you know, Peter was not up here by accident. He's got a third career coming. He just hasn't yet uh, listened to God's voice. He's not quiet enough, but if he dares to get quiet, he may hear God calling him to ministry as well. So watch out when that happens, because I've been planting seeds for a while here in the poor Peter Chang's life. Um, and if you've heard that from me, it's on purpose. I absolutely am trying to follow Elijah's example by investing in the next generation. And so I want to give our younger people the challenge right now. If you're younger... And you'll know, I don't need to give an age group, you just know if you're younger. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, that didn't make, you didn't say yes when I said that term, then you're not, don't worry. If you weren't sure, you're not. <laughs> so hey, younger people, I want to give you a challenge. Is there an older person at this church who you kind of look up to, who looks like they got it together, who looks like, I'd kind of like to be that when I'm a little bit older? Is there an older person that you look up to? I want to give you this challenge, and I'm going to give you permission to do it. I want you to go up, and I want you to ask them to input you, input into you. And it's a really awkward ask. Yep, it is weird. Hey, hey, Jason, you play the bass good. Could you, uh, could you input into my life? Now, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what you're talking about because he was at the service today. So, but I want to invite you to do that. I want to give you permission to go up to, to the adults that are, or the old people that are in this church, and to say, uh, because you're an old, to, even if you're young, you're still an adult. I don't want to not say you're an adult. But, but uh, I'll give permission to our young people to go up and, and, and say, hey, would you invest in me? And older person, people, I'm going to give you a challenge. Now you know if you're in that category or if people. Is there a younger person uh, at this church who looks a lot like you did when you were younger? Is there someone younger that you see? Man, I see a ton of potential in that person. Well, I want to give you permission to go up to them and to ask for their input in your life. See, it's not just you giving to them. They're going to give to you. That's how relationship works. I want to, I want to give you permission. Now, if there happened to be a minor, like a uh, little Ethan saw or something, you've got to talk to their parents. You can't just show up at the house. And, you know, just no weird, no nothing weird. Like, you know, uh, under 18, then, then you've got to get parental permission to, to talk to them and to send them into ministry. <laughs> you know, like, whatever you've got to do. Um, but I want to give you permission to approach someone and say, hey, I'm interested in investing in you. And I'm interested in you investing in our relationship in, in, with me and in our lives. And then I want to ask you to intentionally pray for the opportunity to be a blessing to one person. Let's be real. Like, we don't have a lot of time uh, or a lot of energy, and we certainly can't invest in everybody. It's just a reality. But neither did Elijah. Elijah invested in one dude. His whole life of ministry, like he did a lot of confrontational ministry, but his whole life of mentoring was to one guy. That's it. And so that's what I'm saying, just, just one. A few months ago, I asked you to start to pray for someone, old, one older, one younger than you. I, I didn't ask you to do anything with it. I just asked you to start praying. And so it may be that that person that you've been praying for, maybe today is the day where God says, I want you to step out in faith, and I want you to move one step more and actually ask them if you can start to to meet them once a month. Maybe, maybe you take them to breakfast. Maybe you, uh, maybe you challenge them to read a book. Maybe you remind them that you're praying for them. Maybe you, uh, if you can figure out older folks how to do this text message, maybe you can do that with them. I don't know. what they, However the young people want to communicate. 
you know, you can download one of the apps they got, these new things, Instagram and that stuff, and you could talk to them on there. I know, it's exciting. You could be young. I'm being a little jokey, but, but, but maybe it's that person you've been praying for. What we call this at our church is we call it mentorship. And some churches call it discipleship, and that's, okay, they're really the same thing. That I'm on purpose, as a believer, trying to invest in someone else so that they can be near to God. And as a church, we want to be known for a church that does that. That doesn't just let people come in and out, but says, hey, hey, I'm a follower of God, and I want to invest in you. I want to disciple you. But that's overwhelming when you say disciple. Even mentorship is like overwhelming, right? So I just want to, I just want to come alongside you. But we want to be a church that's known for that, where people say, oh, I heard about that church. Man, the young people are connected to the old people. The old people care about the young people. And then they, can, they help them. And not just in church. Not that we just teach them the soundboard, but, but we help them in all areas of life because I don't think that there's a separation between the sacred and the secular. Like if you're a great Christian and you're in finance and you know someone that's interested in going into finance, it is, it is fantastically powerful for you to input in all of the areas as they figure out their portfolios, as they figure out who to apply to, as they figure whatever else that's involved with. I don't even know what it's involved with. That's why they need someone just like you. If you've navigated a business and you know they're going into business, if you've done realtor and you know, and you know they're going to be a realtor, like, those are fantastic ways. So there's, it's not just a church thing. It's a life thing where you're investing in somebody else. And I think that God's asking all of us to do that as, as people of him, to have relationships that really encourage us to move towards what God wants for us. Elijah did it for Elisha. Now, if you read the story of Elijah, he actually doesn't even seem that willing. It actually seems like he got forced into it. And so if you're feeling not that willing, you're Elijah. Do what God says. <laughs> like, I'm going to ask the praise band to come on up. And there's a couple of important, really powerful life things that are going on this morning that we need to think about this week. So let's take a little time right now to begin a prayer with God that will go out throughout this week. Maybe you need God to encourage you to continue to do good. Maybe you're, you were stopped at that first point and you're like, man, I'm so tired of doing good. Maybe you need God to just encourage you in his presence to come upon you. Maybe, perhaps, you need to slow down and listen for his whisper. It could be that it's time for you to step out in fearless faith and dedication, even deciding to get involved in blessing someone else. I don't know, but, but I know God has powerful things for you if you're available. So let's take a few moments before we worship together to just pray on our own. Thank you.